Does your car make a squealing noise and or your brake pedal vibrate when you apply your brakes? Well, like brake pads, brake rotors don't last forever. Rotors wear and can also become warped. Your brakes are one of the most important features on your car. At Kendall Auto Care Machine Shop, we can resurface your brake rotors without removing them from your car, saving you time and money. Visit us for a free inspection today. Call Kendall Auto Care at 562-1362 or visit us at the Factory Road Branch. The Big Issues is brought to you with the kind compliments of Kendall Machine Shop. Every now and again, Antigans and Barbudans pause to take in the significance of one of their many seniors achieving 100 years of age, or simply adding another year above that mark. On January 16th, for example, Mr. Neville Henry became Antiguan Barbudans' newest centenarian, and Mrs. Jane Ann Lee Gould, who marked her 101st birthday, did so on January 19th. It is remarkable to imagine that a person alive and among us today would have been in the world 100 years ago and would have seen all the change that has taken place in that time. If you go back 100 years from today, you'd be in 1921. World War I would have ended merely a few years before, and Antigua and Barbuda, as well as the Caribbean, was a very, very different place. Society was very different. Social class and labor conditions were very different. Communities and politics were very different. So on this segment, we'll ask our panelists to take us back 100 years and carry us forward, explaining how Antigua and Barbuda has changed in the last 100 years, to give us a sense of what people like Mr. Neville Henry and Mrs. Jane Ann Lee Gould and all our centenarians would have lived through. So joining our panel for this discussion, we're happy to have Dr. Paget Henry. Good afternoon, Dr. Paget Henry. Good afternoon. Uh, Dr. Henry and Antigan is a professor of sociology and Africana studies at Brown University in the United States. He's been a member of faculty there for over 20 years. His areas of research cover the economic and political problems of the Caribbean. Caribbean history forms a large part of his professional writing. And for example, in 2010, he published a biography of Sir V.C. Byrd titled Shouldering Antiguan Barbuda, The Life of V.C. Byrd. Uh, we also have joining us Bishop Kingsley Lewis. Bishop Kingsley is a bishop of the Moravian Church in the eastern West Indies province. He's a graduate of the United Theological College of the West Indies at Mona and a graduate of the University of the West Indies. His postgraduate studies were done at the University of Birmingham and at the Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida. He has taught undergraduate history at the University of the West Indies, or rather for the University of the West Indies, at the Antigua State College. Uh, good afternoon to you, Bishop Kingsley Lewis. Good afternoon, Kira. Good afternoon, fellow panelists and listeners. And we are also joined by Miss Agnes Meeker. Ms. Agnes Meeker was born in 1940 in Bendels, prior to the dismantling of the Bendels Sugar Factory. She is a sixth-generation Antiguan, a proud alumnus of the Antigua Girls High School, and married Robert Meeker, a junior officer at the Navy base in 1961. She spent 30 years raising three children in the United States and worked in travel and as a secretary. She returned to Antigua in 1995, and her love of history and for Antigua drove her to document the history of plantations. She authored three volumes under the title Plantations of Antigua, The Sweet Success of Sugar, a biography of the historic plantations which made Antigua a major source 
of the world's early sugar supply. She is the founder of the St. John's Hospice, and we're happy to have her with us. Good afternoon, Mrs. Agnes Mika. Good afternoon, Kieran, and to all the listening public. Thank you. So for this segment, I have, um, and I'm not an expert, but I have tried to divide um, what we'll discuss into historical periods. So I went back 100 years, and we begin with what life would have been like around 1920, uh, which is a few years after World War I ended. Uh, and then we deal with a period between then leading up to World War II. Uh, then we deal with the World War II period. Uh, then fourthly, we deal with the post-World War II pre-independence period. So that's everything after World War II up to independence in 1981. And then finally, independence up to now. Uh, so I'll give each panelist a chance to just have a, a, a sort of a back and forth discussion on each period. So we begin with uh, life in Antigua and Barbuda around 1920. Um, Dr. Patrick Henry, would you like to start us off? Sure, <clears throat> sure. <clears throat> well, I think what was going on in 1920 uh, was shaped by the failures of the colonial policies uh, of the post-slavery period. These failures, I think, were indicated by the Royal Commission of 1898. And that commission recommended uh, a land settlement program uh, for Antigua and Barbuda. And uh, so that recommendation, I think, gives us a good idea what the central issue was. It was a race and class issue centered around the struggle for land. And uh, the failure uh, to really implement uh, the recommendations of the 1898 Commission uh, sets the stage uh, for what's going to happen uh, in, the, in the 1920s. Uh, leading right down into the 30s. Mm. So for me, the period starting in 1921 has everything to do with the struggle for land by uh, Afro-Antigans uh, and that uh, this is going to be a major spark for the nationalist movement. So that's how I would begin. And uh, Bishop Kingsley Lewis, um, Antiguan Barbuda around 1920. Yes, um, I very much agree with what Padgett has indicated there. Um, I would want to add that as one reads some of the stuff that was written by persons particularly related to the working class, uh, they certainly spoke about the poverty of the people, the sense of, um, you know, hopelessness. Uh, indeed, it was marked also by, and it had begun a little earlier than the 20s, um, the outward migration of people in search of a better life, um, particularly to 
places like Demerara, Trinidad, the Dominican Republic. Uh, again, in, for example, in missionary literature, you hear the missionaries speaking about how about the poverty of the people so much so that very often you come across a comment to the effect that people went to church at night rather than in the day because at night at least their rags were not as um, visible as they would have been in the day um, so that, that, that was the situation that they had. And let us remember that Antigua did not, was quite unlike many of the other islands, like, for example, some of the Windwards, which were hilly and so on. And so people could leave the plantations, go up into the hills and, well, at least engage in subsistence farming. Uh, here, the island being relatively flat was just covered basically with um, plantations. And so it was a lot more challenging for and them to have the land they needed in order to subsist. exercise their own um, existence mm -hmm. apart from the plantations. And Mrs. Agnes Mika, uh, on, on this question, um, what Antigua and Barbuda would have been like uh, around 1920? Okay, again, uh, I'm probably not as well versed in this, but from a lot from what I've read, the churches assisted a lot in this area. Um, a lot uh, provided land that could be farmed for the peasants to do sugarcane, to be sent to the factory. They started small groups like that. And um, the churches are the ones that really seemed to focus everybody and what i felt then and a little later on it was the respect people had for everybody else there was a respect for individuals also i think uh, grounds became a big plus everybody had to have a piece of, of ground to work and that provided subsistence for so many people but it was the time of trash houses it was the time where you know a coal pot in the yard uh no electricity very little water um antigua is known for drought and even as a child i remember you know the boys wore their shirt and the little girls wore a pair of pants no shoes it was a very poor air place to be well, this is um this is um uh, as you're saying that this is the sort of of, of sort of detail that um, we were hoping to get in terms of uh, discussions on the panel. The, what what life would have been like for an individual uh, growing uh -huh. up at that time. Um, so uh, sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to. Not at all. To, but to fortunately, that. people could fish. Fish was plentiful. Mm -hmm. You know, you had your few goats, and everybody shared. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have uh, sweet potatoes and your neighbor dug a bunch, they would bring it over for you. Um, it was a time where people helped people. Um, I have to say from the plantation side, things were not that easy either. Sugar was beginning to um, not be as profitable. Ends could hardly be met. 
but they were, of course, in a far better situation. Uh, Dr. Paget Henry, um, uh, as we go forward, and so we look at a period um, between 1920, taking us right up to uh, World War, well, the beginning, really, of World War II, up to 1939, we would see the, the 1920s and the 1930s here. Um, what would uh, growing up or, or living in Antigua have been like uh, socially, economically, politically? What, what, what sort of events would have shaped this era? Well, I think this era is marked by an intensification of the resistance. So uh, <clears throat> this is the period of the uh, Garvey movement. This is the period of the birth of Pan-Africanism. And the, the Pan-Africanist movement really brought out the racial dimensions uh, of the struggle. And so, of course, in Antigua, uh, it was uh, George Weston uh, who was, you know, the figure, the real figure in terms of articulating uh, Pan-Africanism. Now, it's very interesting. Uh, there are two George Westons. Uh, for a long time, we thought uh, it was just one and the same person. But... Um, <clears throat> There was a major uprising in 1918, uh, led by uh, George Weston, John Furlong, and Sonny Price. And, um, and that George Weston is very different. It's a very different person from the George Weston uh, who became uh, one of the vice presidents of uh, Garvey's Universal Negro Improvement uh, Association. So in terms of what was happening uh, to this struggle for land, uh, this search for equality, both in class terms and racial terms, it really intensifies in the period leading up to um, the Second World War. Also important at this point, was the representative government movement. This was formed uh, in all the islands and uh, they were lobbying for the return of uh, democracy. That the switch to what came to be known as crown colony government took away all of the democratic rights of people in the colonies. And so the representative government movement was an attempt to reclaim uh, some of these rights. Let me bring in Reverend uh, uh, um, Bishop Kingsley Lewis. Uh, this period leading up to uh, World War World War II, which began in 1939, the 20s and the uh -huh. 30s, um, the significance of this period and, and what somebody living through it, the sort of things they would have observed and how they would have lived their lives. Well, um, I s did mention the poverty in the 20s, and that certainly continued, particularly after the Great Depression. But, and there was, there was this restive um, movement, not only here, but throughout the Caribbean. And in fact, 
Antigua was perhaps much calmer than some of the other islands, for example, well, the other territories, for example, um, St. Kitts, Trinidad, St. Vincent. And the plantocracy, they had somehow managed to prepare the way for controlling the demands of the working class. Um, one with giving some legislative significance um, by uh, five seats in the legislature. Um, then there was the action which they took of eliminating the Contract Act. I think that was 1937. And also the government of the day announced an Antigua recovery program. And that was meant to counter the impact locally of the depression. And then there was also, of course, the Royal Commission dispatched from London. And these tended to soften the reaction of Antiguans so that uh, the, res the reaction was not nearly as severe as it was in some other territories. But that did not mean that there were not advances because uh, there was a dispute, for example, at the Antigua Sugar Factory in 1939. And we know well the history of that, that the people began to agitate the, not only on the plantations, but on the waterfront mm -hmm. and so on. Uh, Ms. Agnes and Meeker, well, um, uh, Reverend Kingsley Lewis, um, yeah. we, we, we will come back on the next, but I do want to give Ms. Ms. Meeker a, a chance to, sure. to speak on this issue. Mm. Um, the 1920s and the 1930s in Antigua and Barbuda, you know, with, with, um, with particular reference to how people would have, have, have lived their lives. Oh, yeah. Remember, it was still very colonial. Mm -hmm. And uh, when World War II was announced, um, quite a few Antiguans stepped up to defend the country. Um, everybody still looked as being part of Britain um, and a loyalty to Britain. Yeah. Um, there, so there was, I know there was underlying unrest and it wasn't until 1958-59 that it really came to a head at the sugar factory. And at that time, really the only employer on the island was the sugar factory and the estates other than say Bryson's or Jews. And it wasn't until the Navy base came on in 1942 yeah. that we ended up having competition for 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 workers and employment. So and life in Antigua the, this time, way of life. just 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 to summarize for our audience, life in Antigua this time would have uh, we're talking about 1920s, 1930s, leading right up to 1939 that World War II begins is really defined by um, the the main industry of the time, which is uh, the, the sugar industry. Sugar. Um, it's defined, of course, by the decline of sugar, uh, the fact that um, 
uh, it is no longer as profitable. Uh, the fact that um, there are, there is, I should say, more labor agitation. Uh, the fact that the post World War One era has been marked by a depression and it is even greater poverty, uh, and that was a, a global phenomenon. Um, coming into World War Two, the World War Two period, um, we would know that throughout the British Empire, and Antigua and Barbuda was a part of the British Empire at the time, uh, we would have seen significant changes in all the various territories of the British Empire during the World War II period. Um, uh, there was eventually uh, different uh, technology that would have come in, um, but during the World War II period, if you could give us some sense of, of, of how that changed the way that people lived, uh, rationing and so on. Um, who are you? Are you addressing me? Yes, yes. You still, you still have the floor. You still have the floor. Sorry about that. Oh, I should have. Um, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, again, because we are an island um, and have sources of fish, animals, fruit, and vegetables ourselves, it helped. But everything else, from lumber to uh, any type of goods, were brought in by boat, and all of this was totally limited. Um, just a small thing. I remember um, taking photographs and there are no, no, very few photographs during that period because there was no film, there was no camera. Um, you could survive, but it was extremely difficult. Belts had to be tightened all along. The shipping never came in. There was uh, the Caribbean um, submarine warfare was far heavier than anybody ever realized than it was in the Pacific. And that was because of the oil and the Trinidad uh, shipping. And submarines roamed these waters. And that's why the Navy base was set in to track submarines during World War II. Um, I'll come to Dr. Dr. Paget Henry, if I could, if, uh, Dr. Paget Henry, on this this period, the World War II period, 1939-1945, the sort of social and, and economic changes experienced uh, that would have affected how someone lived in Antigua and Barbuda. Well, I, I think uh, it, just to reinforce and add to uh, what has been said, uh, I think that this this period uh, is 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 really marked by the rise of the United States and the Soviet Union as major imperial powers and the beginning of a significant decline of the European powers, including France and Britain, uh, in terms of global affairs. And the fact that uh, it's American uh, bases that are being set up in Trinidad, St. Lucia, Barbados, and Antigua uh, is a key to one of the big changes uh, of this period. Uh, <clears throat> Sparrows, Calypso, Jean and Dinah, you know, again, says a lot about the impact uh, of American bases coming in during the the, the the World War II period. It changes the culture in, in very profound ways. And we are going to see this, um, you could call it a de-anglicization 
uh, of the Caribbean that is declining, British yep. influence, and a dramatic increase uh, in the American influence. And I think that this is going to set the stage for the economic transformations that are going to take place, that it is American investment in the tourist industry that is going to replace uh, sugar after the war, after the war is over. And uh, Bishop Kingsley Lewis, on, on this, yeah. this period, uh, the, the World War II period, um, yeah. life in Antigua and Barbuda for somebody who is alive at the time, it doesn't matter if they're a, a, a child or an adult, um, but life in uh -huh. Antigua during the war. Yeah, it, it, it certainly was a very difficult period. And um, Agnes just mentioned, for example, the submarines. And that did put quite a strain, perhaps for some people, depending upon your perspective, on the things that you could continue to do, things that you had been accustomed to doing. She mentioned, for example, the boats not coming. Um, it was a time, for example, to give you an, one example. Um, there was someone who won, or a couple of people who won Leeward Island scholarships. In those days, there was no tertiary education here or in the region. And for years, they could not travel to take up those scholarships in Britain because of the U-boats. They could not travel. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you, um, Reverend Kingsley Lewis, yeah. um, let me ask you about, yes. you mentioned education, and I'm interested to know, um, uh -huh. I mean, there was a point in Antigua, in, let me say Antigua, <laughs> there was a point in Antigua where, um, of course, the secondary education was not a thing. Uh, primary educa education was very, very slim. Uh, can you give us some idea of how education, just briefly, how education progressed uh, in, in Antigua, or what sort of periods we're seeing greater upticks in, in education? Progressed. Well, um, we had basically primary education was mainly the preserve, shall we say, of the various denominations at the time. And then the government in Antigua, and it's an interesting thing, the government in Antigua took over the schools. We were part of a Leeward Islands government at the time, but the government did not take over the schools in the other islands as they did here in Antigua. And that is something I still need to follow through on. But then we, after that, we had, I think, one of the most significant um, things in education in Antigua was the establishment of free secondary education. And because this, this now, was around what time? Uh, Generally. I think uh, the... Uh, can't this, quite remember when was um, broadly. Margaret, but certainly by the early 60s. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And Bro then, of course, the other thing with education now was that in 1948, you had the establishment of UWI. And as a result of that, instead of just having a one scholarship for the whole Leeward Islands in a year, 
you began to have the opportunity of several students being able to access uh, tertiary education from Antigua. Mm. All right, um, Ms. Agnes Mika, to, to take us out of the World War II period, um, and we, we, we sectioned out a period after World War II, right up until 1981. Um, there are, of course, a lot of significant changes happening in Antigua in terms of the main industry, in terms of uh, where people work, in terms of labor and organization and politics. Um, the, the period between World War II and before independence, uh, what was that okay, like? Just one, one little bit here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody knows, but during World War II, every single street sign and uh, location sign, mileage posts, they used to be concrete mileage posts coming from St. John's going all over the island. They were all pulled up so that in case the Germans landed, yeah. uh, they wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> I always found that rather amusing, but there is still one little stone left on the side of the road going down to Half Moon Bay. But the mileage has been eradicated. Oh. Um, okay, so now back to, um, we're looking at when? After the war? Oh yes, after the war. Um, the, the entire period uh, after World War II ends, uh, right up until independence in 1981. It's a quite, quite a large, oh. quite a significant okay. period. Okay. Um, yeah. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, well, not, yeah. not 80s, 81. One interesting thing in researching the, the sugar factory, um, which was basically owned by Henkel Jubison and Company Limited in London. And in 1943, um, the Gunthorpe's sugar estates changed their names to the Antigua Syndical Estates and started buying all the uh, estates that were up for sale with the, that were no longer being profitable. And nearly everybody on that board were Henkel, Jubison and Company owners. And it was later in um, 1960, first of all, 1958 and 59 were years of unrest where the workers went on strike. And syndicate estates were sold out to the Antigua Sugar Factory Limited, which was also Henkel, Jubison and Company Limited. Um, in 1661, they had uh, inquiries, the Rottenberg and the Mackenzie inquiries, to find out why there was unrest and what could be done about it. And at that time, the sugar factory employed between 477 and 831 people, depending whether it was in or out of crop. Um, at the, the uh, I'm not sure what the entire population was at that time, but again, this is when uh, employment is spread a little bit more around the island because tourism came into effect. Uh, I think with the um, Anchorage Hotel built in 1958, the Beach Hotel was built in 1939, right before the war, oddly enough, and was the only hotel after the globe broke down, burnt down. Let me bring in. Um, let me bring in Dr. Paget Henry. Um, this 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 period uh, after World War II um, and right up until independence in 1981 is a period where we see a, a great level of political development and a lot of social change in Antigua and Barbuda. Uh, define this period in history for us and and what someone living through the period would have observed. Well, I think uh, it's important to point out that this was the period in which we had the formation of trade unions and after the formation of trade unions, uh, political parties. 
that for me, the formation of these key organizations are replacing uh, the, in, in many ways, not completely, the lodges uh, and the friendly societies, which were sort of the mass organizations of uh, Afro-Antiguans and Barbudans. Uh, <clears throat> this, this, is, this is a crucial period because it, it ushers in uh, sort of the post-colonial period because it is the political activities uh, of the political parties uh, mm -hmm. and the trade unions that are going to take us right into uh, independence. So that uh, the formation of the Antigua Labor Party, um, the Antigua Trades Labor Union, uh, <clears throat> and then later on, uh, the big splits in the in, in, in the labor movement. And do we have any significant uh, agitations around this time uh, the, that we would have had persons on the island participating in any 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 events in in the labor movement uh, at any point in this period, which are oh, significantly sure. memorable? Of course, uh, I would say uh, this was a period of very 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 famous strikes. The strike, for example, against O'Neill's drugstore, historic. And then sort of the culminating strike uh, of 1951. Uh, this worker struck for six months. Uh, 40,000 tons of canes were left in the fields unreaped. And that, that produced that dramatic moment uh, um, where we had uh, VC Bird making that speech under the tamarind tree, you know, where he said, uh, you know, we're going to drink uh, pond water, you know, eat witty witty bush, all of that stuff. We are not giving in. This was a historic strike. Lots of people were involved uh, in this. Uh, high point uh, in the life of the labor movement here in Antigua and uh, Barbuda and a turning point uh, because uh, this was a strike that the workers won and changed the power dynamic between the labor movement um, and the plant, the the plantocracy. Let me let me give uh, Bishop Kingsley Lewis a, a chance yeah. to comment on this. Um, the, the the period after World War II, right up to independence, um, uh -huh. some of the the, the critical uh, things that would have uh, changed in this period and how life changed well um certainly life changed with the shift from sugar to tourism and some light manufacturing um it changed economically but I would say that it changed in other ways as well. Um, and it gave rise, unfortunately, this was one downside of that change, to the phenomenon that's described in some other places as the latch key generation. That is where women now 
were going out of the home to work um, and many of them had to work more than one job and so very often there was nobody at home to look after children when they supervised children after they came from school so they were given a key when they got home from school they would put it into the latch and unlock the door and it's a time too when there was a loosening of the um, the family structure because now we're moving more towards nuclear families than the extended family situation where you had several generations in the home so that that I think was also a major change was a major change and there were while the the economic on the economic side it was um, certainly good it did have some unfortunate effects I think on the rising generation. Let me bring in Ms. Agnes Mika. And Ms. Mika, I think we can, we're, well, we're near to the end of this segment, but we, and I'll, I'll let everybody go around, but everyone has to be very brief, please. Um, since independence, the change of independence and uh, going forward, uh, the sort of change that um, there would have been in Antigua uh, from 1981 going forward, you know, looking at the 1980s and 1990s. Uh, uh, Ms. Um, Agnes Mika. It's become, I think, uh, uh, like everywhere else, particularly in America, of um, holding on and buying as much as you can, whether it's necessary or unnecessary. There's a lot more money around um, this latchkey business. I see it as affecting the older population because there's nobody home to take care of grandma or auntie yeah. anymore and they're left yeah. on their own. Um, and it's, it's, you know, growing up, I had two dresses and two school uniforms. I didn't get my first pair of sandals till I was age 13. Today, the closets are full. Do we need all that? Do we need all that? The children are given everything, anything they want. It's, um, I, I find we need to go back to more basics, help one another, see one another's neighbor. Um, be a little bit more aware of what's going on around us. Mm -hmm. I find things growing too much. I mean, we, uh, we, uh, Prime Minister Byrd bought all the estate land uh, in 1967 and has it been managed as well as it should have been? I don't see that. I have to, I have to, um, I unfortunately I have to pause you because of the time, uh, just okay. to give Dr. Paget Henry and, and also Bishop Kingsley Lewis a chance just to give their, their final words. And on this, this, this period, uh, a, a, a brief summary, please, Dr. Paget Henry, uh, independence going forward, how Antigua has changed. Uh, I would mention here, uh, you know, the growth and the development of Carnival. I would also mention the emergence of the writing of Jamaica Kincaid, one of our really, really uh, major, major writers. Then, of course, we had the retirement and death of V.C. Uh, Bird. That, I think, was a major milestone, major transition uh, in the post-independence period. Uh, the formation of the UPP. Uh, <clears throat> coming to power of Baldwin Spencer and, um, you know, 
uh, the coming to power of um, Prime Minister Gaston Brown in 2014. Uh, and so we've just been kind of rolling along mm -hmm. right into 2020, where we are now sort of dealing uh, with COVID and the sort of the long-term impact uh, of Hurricane Irma, particularly in, 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 in relation to to Bob and Reverend um, uh, Bishop Kingsley Lewis, sorry, uh, mm -hmm. your final word on, on this segment from independence uh, coming forward, the 1980s and 1990s, uh, just a summary of what that would have meant for Antigua and Bob Butte in terms of change. Well, I think um, it certainly meant that the rhythm of life has changed. Um, we no longer work 8 to 4, but we're virtually working on the 24 hour clock, um, which is good for persons in an economic sense. Uh, but I do have a concern about what seems to be, for example, an overwhelming goal of graduates to come back from university and the aim seems to be to get a good job to work for someone else rather than to be more enterprising and to be entrepreneurs. Because one has to ask, well, what are we independent for if that is all that we are going to aim for? Um, I think that great opportunity has been given with the establishment of a university campus here. And I hope that the programs will over time be diversified and not just the classical education mm -hmm. uh, formula that we have been many of us accustomed to. We'll have to leave it there. We want to say thank you to all three panelists for this segment. We had a lot to say and we could have, um, could have gone on for quite a while, but uh, unfortunately uh, did have a time limit for this segment. So we say thank you to Dr. Paget Henry. He is a professor of sociology and Africana studies at Brown University. Also to Bishop Kingsley Lewis, a bishop of the Moravian Church in the eastern West Indies province, and also to Miss Agnes Meeker. Uh, Ms. Agnes Mika is the founder and operator of the St. John's Hospice. Thanks to all three of you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you Our much. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Does your car make a squealing noise and or your brake pedal vibrate when you apply your brakes? Well, like brake pads, brake rotors don't last forever. Rotors wear and can also become warped. Your brakes are one of the most important features on your car. At Kendall Auto Care Machine Shop, we can resurface your brake rotors without removing them from your car, saving you time and money. Visit us for a free inspection today. Call Kindle Auto Care at 562-1362 or visit us at the Factory Road branch. The Big Issues is brought to you with the kind compliments of Kendall Machine Shop.